to Jeremiah chapter 36. It's on your large print sheets as well. But Jeremiah chapter 36, you'll find this starting on page 1075 and going on to 1076. Jeremiah chapter 36, starting in uh, verse 20 on page 1075. So we'll be reading verses 20 through 32. Jeremiah chapter 36, starting in verse 20 and going to the end of the chapter, starting on page 1075 and continuing on to the next page. My friends, this is the very word of God. And they went to the king into the court, but they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in the hearing of the king. So the king sent Jehudai to bring the scroll and he took it from Elishama the scribe's chamber. And Jehudai read it in the hearing of the king and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the hearth before him. And it happened when Jehudai had read three or four columns that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan, Deliah, and Gemariah implored the king not to burn the scroll, but he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdiel, to seize Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord hid them. Now, after the king had burned the scroll with the words which Baruch had written at the instruction of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Take yet another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. And you shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus says the Lord, You have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause man and beast to cease from here? Therefore, Thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will punish him, his family, and his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring on them, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them, but they did not heed. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the instruction of Jeremiah all the words of the book 
which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And besides, there were added to them many similar words. Well, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we continue in our series now on the third commandment, and particularly on what it forbids. The third commandment, as we started looking at last week, the third commandment forbids all profaning or abusing of anything whereby God makes himself known. All profaning, counting as common, or abusing, opposing of anything whereby God makes himself known. Let me take just a moment to remind you all once again of the first three commandments that we've been looking at now. The first gives us the who of worship, the object of our worship, the true and the living God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The second gives us the what of worship, the means of our worship. We're to worship according to the prescription that God has given, just like you get a prescription, you go to the drugstore, and uh, you, the druggist must follow what the doctor has written on that prescription. And so it is with the prescription of Scripture. We are to follow strictly how God wants us to worship. And then thirdly, the how of worship or the manner and attitude of our worship, which is to be that of reverence, that of reverence. So that's the positive side. We are to treat God and everything about him by which he has revealed himself with reverence and awe and respect. We've already seen then that the third commandment requires a reverent use of all by which God reveals himself, his character, which of course includes his name, his names, the the names of God, his titles, his ordinances, what he has ordained uh, by which to reveal himself, including the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments, and also church discipline. His word, his word, his inspired word, and his works, the natural or general revelation. Now last week, as we looked at what the third commandment forbids, we talked a little bit about God's revealed character, including, first of all, the irreverence, treating God's revealed character with irreverence. So we're not to do that, obviously. We are to treat God respectfully, uh, including, of course, the use of God's name. We're not, to, we're not to use God's name lightly, are we? Because that's to be irreverent. So when we say God or Lord, we're to be, we're, we're to be thoughtful. When we come in prayer, we're to be thoughtful. How many times have we prayed over food in a very matter-of-fact way and not really thought about it? But also sinful swearing, 
sinful swearing, including the overuse or abuse of, uh, of oaths and vows, or false swearing, swearing by that which is not God, for example, or swearing things that are not true. Cursing, including, as we mentioned, euphemism. So you don't like to use the word hell or the word damn, so you use heck and darn. Well, it's the same thing. It's just a euphemistic way of saying it, you see. Blaspheming God's name, blasting him, if you will. Blaspheming the name of God. And superstitious use, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord is these, uh, as we see in Jeremiah. And so we find all kinds of examples where people just use the name of God or, or things that God has ordained in a superstitious way without really understanding that just using it that way is actually a violation of the third commandment. Well, today then, we want to look at God's ordinances and God's word. God's ordinances and God's word in terms of what the third commandment prohibits, what it forbids. So in terms of the ordinances of God, what would be prohibited? Well, first of all, irreverence, irreverence in our attending upon the ordinances. What do we mean by that? What, well, if you go to school, what is your teacher going to tell you? Now, I want you sitting up, right? I want you, I see all of you adjusting right now. Anyway, <laughs> sitting up. Okay. Outward posture. Right? Paying attention. But even that's shown in terms of the outward posture. And so it is when you come to church. Also, outward expression. Now, we laughed a moment ago, and that's fine, because it was an amusing thing, and God has a sense of humor. But there can also be a laughter, obviously, that is, in, that is not appropriate, right? Laughing, talking. Again, think of school. Your school teacher wouldn't put up with that. Sleeping. Playing on the telephone. Those are things I addressed when I was a professor in college. Well, if that's true in terms of the school classroom, how much more true is it in terms of the worship of God? You know, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 1, Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 1. Walk prudently when you go, wisely when you go to the house of God, and draw near, rather, draw near to hear, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention. Hear. Listen. 1 Corinthians 14.40, the great uh, proof text of Presbyterians, let all things be done decently and in order. Well, it's true, is it not? There's an orderliness to our coming before God. 
And that's all part of the reverence we are to show in contrast to irreverence. Then how about slight, secondly, not only irreverence, but slight and formal regarding of them. The mind wonders. Now this, look, everyone here, and I'll confess it myself, there have been times when our minds wander, okay? But really, our mind should be focused and should pay attention. And so we need to guard against that. Or our hearts are dead or dull. We're not really interested. Oh, this is so boring or whatever. Okay? And so that's a, a slight regard to those things. Even though you may be there, it may be present, but if your heart's not in it, there is a problem. You're treating, you're treating God and his revelation with disrespect. Or particularly not perceiving the majesty and spirituality of God. God is not like we are. God, as Jesus said, God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And not perceiving that God is not like we are with bodies like men. But he is pure spirit. He is totally above us, totally transcendent. In terms of God's ordinances, not just irreverence or a slight regarding of them, but also hypocrisy, being hypocritical, being hypocritical in religious matters, being hypocritical in religious matters. In other words, not really paying attention or not really not really adhering to what you are to uh, hold to. Second Timothy uh, 3.15 says and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We sang from Psalm 78. Psalm 78 talks about ancient Israel. And how they mouthed the words they professed, but they didn't mean it in their hearts. And even, even when God rebuked them, when, when God uh, punished them, then they came back to God. But again, it was what they were saying with their mouths, but not meaning with their hearts. Or what about making a pretentious show? Jesus himself uh, address this, did he not? In Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23 and uh, verse uh, 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. By the way, those were the religious goody two-shoes of his day. They were the ones that put on the, sh the religious show. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. And so you can come to church and make a big show about it. You can be a minister and put on a great show. But it's hypocrisy. Well, not only in terms of irreverence in God's ordinances, slight regarding of them, hypocrisy, but also even despising God's ordinances. You know, as we think about the sacraments, which are among the ordinances, 
we know that God's name is directly involved in them. In baptism, when the water is, is sprinkled upon the person, we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. God's name is involved in baptism. We talk about communion. We call it the Lord's Supper. We refer to the table of the Lord. So God's name is bound up in the ordinances. And so how can we how is it that sometimes we treat these things with irreverence? Well, not respecting God's effectual power in revealing himself in them. Not believing that they are indeed means of grace. This is not an automatic, of course. We're not saying that. They're not saying that you get baptized, you're automatically saved, anything like that. But nevertheless, they are means of grace by which God conveys things. Or not only be not believing that they are means of grace, but believing that they are inadequate, that they are not adequate for God to reveal himself. And here I think of things such as movies, movies about the life of Jesus. We've already talked about that and why those are wrong in terms of the second commandment. We're not to make any image of God or any person of the Trinity. But also, what's behind those movies many times What's behind them is the idea that somehow the ordinary means that God has provided are not adequate to bring salvation to his people. That's what's behind it. You, you look at like the movie Jesus or other such enterprises that is abundantly clear that the idea that that is that the ordinary means of the reading and preaching of the word are not adequate to bring salvation. And then also ignoring the primary means of communicating the gospel, which is that of the preaching of the word. So these are God's ordinances. These are ways in which we can treat them with disrespect. Now also today we want to look at God's word. God's word. We had a couple of passages read today from the prophecy of Jeremiah. And it was very striking, was it not? Especially chapter 36. I want us to look at that now. Chapter 36. And what's there are many striking things as we look at Jeremiah 36. And uh, one of them is that here this king, Jehoiakim, had had a godly father a godly king before him. But what was the attitude? What was the attitude that you find here in Jeremiah 36? See, that what, the, what the Lord was bringing through the prophet Jeremiah, what the Lord was bringing was not convenient. It was a message that Jehoiakim didn't want to hear. And so what did he do? Verse 22, now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the hearth before him. And it happened when Jehudai, 
had read three or four columns that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Extraordinary, isn't it? Indeed, verse 24, yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. That is sinning with a high hand. That is bold rebellion against God. And treating the word with such disrespect as to cut it up and burn it up in the fire. But we also have another way, uh, several other ways. One is twisting the word into false doctrine. Twisting the word into false doctrine. We find this in Jeremiah 23, among other places. We read today from Jeremiah chapter 23. Again, a, a striking passage. If you look at verses 16 and 17 of Jeremiah 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. You're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. Right. God is not a God of holiness, not a God of judgment. You don't have to worry about these things. That's a false message. It'll lead you right to hell. And so twisting the word into false doctrine, we go on to verses 21 and 22. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesy. But if they had stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. And verses 26 and following, how long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor, as their fathers forgot my name for Baal, false god. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says, Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. This, of course, the same theme is what we find in Second Peter. In Second Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16, where uh, Peter says, referring to the Apostle Paul, as also in all his epistles, Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist 
distort, pervert to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. And 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 1 Timothy 6, verses 3 through 5, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. So what are examples today of these false views, these perversions? Well, you find there just a moment ago who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. You've heard of the health and wealth gospel? Come to God and you'll be rich. You'll have a Cadillac. You'll have $10,000, whatever. No, not necessarily. God often calls us to hardship in this life. Sometimes because of our own folly. Sometimes just because of those who oppose us. Sometimes just because of the nature of life. But the point is that God often calls us to, as the Apostle Paul said, to deal with that thorn in his side, which he had to wrestle with so that all the glory could go to God so that Paul would remain dependent upon the Lord. But there are false prophets who teach differently, are there not? The, the health and wealth gospel or the LGBTQ agenda. There are ministers in this city who preach that it's perfectly okay to have uh, sexuality, sexual expression that directly contradicts the word of God. Or those even who promote a pro-abortion agenda. Do you know that there are churches that promote the abortion of children? Or a works salvation, twisting the word of God into a works salvation. And so not only treating the word disrespectfully, but twisting it into false teaching. And thirdly, similar to this, is misapplying the word, misapplying it, showing threatenings to the righteous to make them sad and promises to the wicked to encourage them in their wicked ways. Perhaps the best passage to illustrate that is Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 22. Because with lies, because with lies, you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. And you have strengthened the hands of the wicked so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. So misapplying the word and then finally, not paying heed to the word. Not paying heed to it. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? 
For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Not really paying heed to the word of God. We can do that in a number of ways. And here it's the negative of what we dealt with earlier. Not attending it with all diligence, preparation, and prayer. We are to attend it with diligence, preparation, and prayer, but not doing it, obviously, is what is prohibited. Not receiving it with faith and love rather than receiving it. Not laying it up in our hearts and not practicing it in our lives. These are all examples of ways in which we can pervert and distort and abuse and resist the word of God and thereby violate the third commandment. Well, several points of application. The first is this. Treat, listen to me carefully here, treat the worship of God with utmost respect because this is one of his ordinances. Treat the worship of God with utmost respect. Attend the worship services of the church. Now we realize that people are ill sometimes or not feeling well or uh, there can be all kinds of things that may prevent us from being in a service. But as you are able, attend the worship services of the church. When you don't, then you're not showing up for the spiritual feast that God has spread for you. Regard the worship of God, gathering with his people on the Lord's Day, as the most important thing you do or ever will do. Treat the worship of God with utmost respect. Number two, treat the word of God as most precious. Take time to read it. Or if you need to, listen to it online. If you'd rather listen to it, take time to read it or listen to it. Read it carefully. And read it as Jesus' love letter to you. Read it as Jesus' love letter to you. You know, it's interesting. We, we read from Jeremiah 23 today. And it's, it's really interesting. In the context of God condemning these false shepherds. Did you catch it early in the chapter? God says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David, King David, a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. My friends, that's Jesus. He is our righteousness. We rest upon his righteousness, imputed to us, and received by faith alone. That's what the word of God is all about. Therefore, treat the word of God with respect as Jesus' love letter to you. You've had a sweetheart, and you read the letter, You don't just set it aside. Read it again and again and again. You unfold it and read it and 
fold it and oh, let me read that again. That's the way to treat the word of God. And finally, be discerning with regard to the word of God. Be able to realize when someone is engaged in scripture twisting. On a, be discerning. On a personal level, stop acting hypocritically with regard to the name of God. And learn to trust Jesus with regard to what he has revealed in his word. Be discerning with regard to the word of God. These are ways, my friends, by which we can keep the third commandment, by which we can avoid what it prohibits in terms of the profaning or abusing of anything by which God makes himself known. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? And, O God, we pray that thy word would be applied directly to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We pray that we will pay heed to the word, the word of God, the word read, the word preached as it is uh, faithful to the scriptures. We pray that, Lord, that we would treat not only thy worship, but also thy word with the utmost respect and reverence. Be pleased to do that, O God. Be pleased, Father, as we look around at our society. Be pleased to do it in our society. We pray for, the, for a, an inflowing of people into the courts of thy house. No longer, people no longer who would treat thy word or thy ways with disrespect or irreverence, but those who would hunger after thy word. And so we pray, O God, that we would see that in our own day, rend the heavens and come down and reveal thyself and glorify thy name. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.